0: You're listening to The Ascension Roundtable Podcast, Episode 42, Christopher West Talks Marriage Preparation. As a church, we need to get marriage preparation right. The stakes are just too high not to. In this episode, Theology of the Body expert Christopher West explains some of the biggest challenges we face when it comes to preparing engaged couples for a joy-filled marriage. He then gives three pieces of advice to help you do a better job walking with couples during this time of marriage preparation.
1: Well, it is an absolute pleasure being with you today, Christopher. How are you doing?
2: Great, Tom. Great joy for me to be with you, my brother.
1: Oh, I've been looking so forward to this podcast and hopefully more to come. We're also here today with Marisa Beyer, our producer, who's up in Exton. How you doing, Marisa?
0: Doing well, Tom. Thanks.
1: Awesome. So we have a few minutes here with the busy man, Christopher West, and um, Christopher, just kind of... Share the our backstory, right? You and I met actually 20 years ago, a little over 20 yeah, years ago.
2: 20 years. It's hard to believe how time flies so quickly.
1: Absolutely. Christopher, I was working at the Archdiocese of Denver as the director of youth, young adults, and campus ministry. And this young buck took this job uh, and <laughs> uh, his office. It was right next to mine uh, as the director of marriage and family, if I recall. Is that right, Christopher? Yeah,
2: yeah I was 26. 20- Twenty-seven years old when they hired me for that job. I can't believe I was only married two years. I had one kid on the way. Uh, if I were Archbishop Shapu, I would not have not have hired me. <laughs> but he, he did.
1: Well, he hired me the month before, and I was only seventeen. So I, you know, it's uh, <laughs> no, yeah, that's uh, it's hard to believe that we have known each other that long, Christopher. And I won't go into the the gory details, but uh, our initial meeting. Uh, was certainly unique and memorable i i pulled the the prank of all pranks on this man next to me that i I, I didn't century
2: tom it was the prank of my life nobody has topped that prank on my (sighs) first day there i came vulnerable into this new job and my my dear friend tom mccabe next to me in his office pulled off the most astounding prank one could imagine. If you want to share about it, Tom, you go right ahead.
1: Well, I think that's for an entirely other podcast other than <laughs> my his secretary who had met him said, I think this guy can take a joke. And we basically sent him several phone calls throughout the day that uh, were prank Phony calls.
2: Phone calls mm-hmm. of, of couples in distress. <laughs> I believed every one of them. And when I found out it was a prank and Tom McCabe was behind one of the voices on the phone it's <laughs> abject desperation
0: Tom I can was. you can you give us a, an idea of that what that sounded like when, when oh. Christopher Oh, up oh the my phone. word
1: <laughs> I called him and I said my name is Jamalia Yamilis Comoli you must help me my daughter is in a state of sin mortal you must help me <laughs> He did it was such a bad accent. He did not know what to think, whether it was real or not, but he couldn't laugh at this guy. No, I couldn't. If so, it was
2: real, you gotta you gotta go with it. And then then Tom takes me out to lunch. The whole staff, everybody who was involved in this prank, takes me out to lunch. And Tom raises a glass to welcome me on the staff <laughs> of the Archdiocese in the voice of Jamil.
0: Oh my and goodness. My,
2: my face just fell. I could not believe I had been taken. <laughs> But I didn't know from that moment on, Tom, I knew you and I would be fast friends.
1: Oh, uh, well, if you can only imagine, I started this little prank and I get we're on the phone call for about 30 minutes and he's <laughs> counsel, he's giving me serious counsel uh and and he's praying with me over the phone and i'm like oh my and, goodness i got in first deep. Day
2: on the job i'm thinking oh my gosh is this what i'm in for as the director of this office is this this is what i'm getting in the first few hours of my first day on the job <laughs>
1: uh it was uh it was brutal god bless this man that he still just you know chooses to be a friend with me uh <laughs> but it was it was a blast it was it was fun it was fun uh well hey so christopher um You've got we should share a little bit about you. You know, you've got your your greatest claim to fame is you landed Wendy.
2: That your is bride. right? My wife. I am so blessed to be married to Wendy. We're coming up on 22 years in a couple weeks here. Can't believe it.
1: That is definitely definitely hard to believe and five children.
2: Five children from age 20 down to age
1: 9. Mm. mm. Well, that's very similar to us. We yeah. we are actually 28 to 12, but whew. Yeah, it's that's, it's that's a quite a spread, uh, you know. Most everybody should know you, uh, who you are. But I'd love just to share a little bit that you know, you're really one of the most recognized teachers of John Paul II's, you know, Saint Pope John Paul II's theology of the body. Um, and I remember you were sitting next to me at lunch one day, right after you know you started. Maybe it was a few months in, and uh, I said, "So what do you? What's what's your hope? What do you want to do with the the, the your job and all that?" He goes, "I don't know, but." I, I want to become the theology of the body guy. (laughs) And um, I can truly say you have embodied that. I was speaking to someone just the other day because you gave a a couple of talks at our corporate retreat. And um, a young man had shared with me that that man embodies his message. I think you have become the theology of the body guy. Um, um, Kudos.
2: I have had to learn the hard way that uh, to be a a You know, you kind of know it in your head when you get into it. If you're going to witness to the theology of the body, we all know that uh, Christ's body was crucified. And that takes us to the heart of the gospel itself. Uh, And you kind of know that in your head, but, you know, doing this work for over 20 years now, um, the hard lesson has been taking that theology from the head to the heart. And I think, you know, when I was. 28 years old, and I said that to you, I want to be the theology of the body guy. There was, <laughs> no, I was about to say maybe a little naivete. No, there was a lot um, of naiveness on my part about what it would mean to be a witness to this message. And it has been a, a very exciting journey. It's been quite an adventure. But it's also been a real journey of inner purification to go from the head to the heart and allow life and it's hard lessons to challenge me, challenge me, purify me. I still got a long way to go, but, and this is, this is where you're exactly right, Tom. It's my, my wife is my real treasure here. Um, the best thing I have to give the world is not a book or a lecture or a marriage prep program. The best thing I have to offer the world is my sacrament, my marriage. Uh, cause we know that sacraments are efficacious. We don't know yep. that books or lectures or programs are efficacious. They might be, um, but I, I've learned the wider ministry that I've been called to is only as fruitful as is my marriage. So you got to get we all got to learn how to get those priorities straight in our lives.
1: Yep. Preach it, brother. That is so, so very true. Um, to give everybody just a couple of other uh, pieces of your background, you know, you are the founder of The Core Project, which you are running now, which is an international outreach devoted to really spreading this liberating message yeah. to others on how to live it and share it. Uh, you've been featured on so many different programs, with uh, ABC News, Fox News, and, and MNSBC, or I guess MSNBC, that's MSNBC, what it is.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. but, um, you know, um, and I, I know you were really one of the founders of the Theology of the Body Institute. Right. Um, which is just doing great work now, and Marisa. Now you were sharing with me that, um, and I, which I didn't had not even realized, that you have a latest book uh, that I guess it, it's already been published on on Pope Francis.
2: Uh, yeah, there's a book coming out uh, actually end of this month called. let me remember the title? Love is patient, but I'm not. So the basic idea, the title of this book is to just recognize that gap, and and to learn how to fill that gap. Between what I'm called to and where I am, with with mercy.
1: Boy, I look forward to uh, reading that, um, Marisa. You should buy me a copy for Thanksgiving.
0: <laughs> yes, I'm a perfectionist myself, so I should probably get myself a copy.
1: <laughs> well, buy two then.
0: I, I have... <laughs> well,
1: wow, that's great, Christopher. I now I know what uh, you know. What my wife definitely needs to buy me. For Christmas, I'd benefit from that. Well, I know we've only got you for a few few minutes today, so what I'd love to do is just redirect our conversation toward the climate of marriage preparation, or those couples preparing for marriage today. Yes. The climate that we see in that sort of thing, because um, uh, I know you have recently you've redone your marriage preparation program yes.
2: um,
1: uh, to really reflect some of the needs and the trends that you're seeing in the culture today. Um, so I would really just love to, to maybe just segue toward that if you're cool with that.
2: Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, we originally filmed the marriage preparation program in 2004. So what, seven, 13 years ago. Yeah, 13 years ago. And what has changed in 13 years is astounding. Uh, the, the, for lack of a better term, the gender agenda uh, which is really a degendered agenda—that's uh, the more apt term for it—because we are we are losing all sight of what it means that we are male and female. This is so detrimental to marriage. I mean, it's it's a direct frontal attack on the very meaning of marriage. The fact that we live in a world today where it just seems acceptable and normal that two men can get married or two women can get married demonstrates that we have neutered our humanity and we don't understand what it means that we're male and female in the image of God. And It's quite a challenge. We have to be very sensitive, of course, because we're all confused about the meaning of our lives, the meaning of existence, the meaning of the body and sexuality. It's not about wagging fingers at anybody or shaming anybody or scolding anybody. But the the basic attitude of of the world these days is, you know, you're okay, I'm okay. And and the goal of that, I think, is to to rightly look for a common ground. But I would like to say rather the common ground we have is not you're okay, I'm okay, but you're screwed up and I'm screwed up. We're all (laughs) broken, right? And when we're calling brokenness health, that's when we get in trouble. Because when we call brokenness health, guess what else we do? We call health brokenness and we end up having the world upside down. This is why we don't understand what marriage is today. We could also look at it this way. The body, excuse me, the culture says the body is meaningless. We live in a culture today where governments are demanding in law, for example, that we identify every body without identifying any body. And what happens when you identify somebody without identifying his or her body? You identify quite literally nobody. We are becoming a culture of no bodies. And the people who are coming to the church today for marriage preparation, by and large, have just embraced this vision, this culture of no bodies. And, and the church must find a way a language, an understanding language, a patient language, a compassionate language, but also a very clear language to speak into this crisis. Uh, the, The culture says the body has no meaning, and the church says no. In fact, the body reveals ultimate meaning. If we don't know the meaning of our bodies, if we don't know the meaning of sexuality, we don't know the meaning of marriage. Because marriage is revealed in what St. John Paul II called the spousal meaning of the body. But what does that mean? Well, here's the simple look at it. A man's body does not make sense by itself. Have you ever wondered standing there in the shower, Tom, why, oh God, did you make me this way? A, a, A woman's body does not make sense by itself either, but seen in light of each other, Unless we're blind, and this is the problem, today we're blind, we see stamped by God right in the sexual difference. We see the call to become one flesh. We see the call to be fruitful and multiply. We see that the meaning of gender is to generate. And this is so important, be fruitful and multiply. This is what we've lost sight of in the modern world. We, we think of, of sexuality as merely the exchange of pleasure. We have lost sight of the fact that gender actually means, if you look at the root of the word, G-E-N, gen, we see that same word, root in words like generous, generate, progeny, genes, genealogy. W- what does it have in common? Gen means to produce or give birth to. And so gender in its original meaning means the manner in which one generates. This is why we're male and female. This is what marriage is all about. It's a call, not just two people who love one another, but it's a call to foster the next generation. That's the uniqueness of the gender distinction, the gender difference. And clearly when we lose sight of this, we lose all sense that marriage even has a meaning.
1: You know, Christopher, if I can just sort of recap to make sure I'm 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 following. You know, uh, if we're really looking at the major or a major, if not the major challenge today, is a neutering of gender. And and that when couples are coming to us today, they then talk. They don't really understand then the spousal meaning yes. of the body. And and couples that we think, oh well, yeah, they're still coming to us, uh, you know, to the church to get married, but they've been influenced by the culture in this way. Yeah, and many, which means they're bringing that into their marriage, and they don't necessarily then see as the generation of children as fundamental to the spousal meaning of the body, to marriage, to everything. Is that
2: that's 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 a fair summer summer summarization of uh, what I just said? Yes, and and connected with this is what you might call the pornification of the body. Um pornography is much more widespread now than it was even 10 or 13 years ago. Everyone has access to it. It's the wallpaper of the culture, and it's sadly, and it's the frame in which the large majority of people in the world today come to understand the meaning of human sexuality. And when we bring these wounds with us into marriage, uh, when we bring this frame with us into marriage, it is very detrimental. I don't want to be a downer here because I really am at heart. I'm a person of great hope. And here's why. Because when sin abounds, what abounds all the more? Grace. Grace. Is that, is that Amen. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So I'm a man of hope. I believe grace is abounding. This marriage prep program is called Joy-Filled Marriage, right? There, there is there is a call to joy here. And and we can be confident that the Lord has not abandoned his church. But I would say this if marriage really and truly is what John Paul II says it is, and what does he say? He says it's the primordial sacrament. What does that mean? That's not a, a, a term we typically use. Primordial, it means original, fundamental, right from the start, right at the beginning of God's plan, he gave us a sacrament to reveal. His love in the world, and it's called marriage. So if marriage is the original sacrament, the primordial revelation of God's plan for love, if it really does reveal Christ's love for the church, put it that way, then we can expect that marriage is going to go the same way that Christ went. It's going to be mocked. It's going to be spat upon. It's going to be scourged. It's going to be crucified, and it's going to die. And I think that's one way to look at what we're experiencing in our world today. We are experiencing the passion of marriage. In, mm. that, in that sense of the word passion, I mean the crucifixion of marriage. But here's why I'm a person of hope. Because what happened three days later after Christ was crucified? It's he not was. a crucifixion. Yes, <laughs>
0: he, he rose. I wanted to give Tom a chance to to, <laughs> to, pipe to be in the student for
2: a minute. Oh, oh, pick me, pick me. <laughs> Maybe there's a delay in the, in the uh, Skype transmission here. I don't know. No, but, no, that's um,
0: just Tom.
2: <laughs>
1: I need time to process.
2: He rose, he rose, he rose. What rose? His body rose. His body rose. And what we see in, in one of the church's classic icons of the resurrection is we see Christ coming out of the tomb in a kind of new birth, but we also see him reaching down into the tombs of the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, and pulling them out. Christ came to restore in the world the original plan for marriage. This is why we're people of hope. Where did Jesus perform his first miracle? At a wedding. At a wedding, woo-hoo! See, our job in marriage preparation Is to lead these couples. All of them are hurting because they've been raised in this pornographic, neutered world, and they're bringing this with them into marriage. But here's the good news. Well, here's the bad news. We've all run out of wine, but Christ restores the wine in super abundance. This is the first miracle. And when we look at the symbolism of that wine, it all becomes clear. Wine is a symbol in the scriptures of divine love. Poured out, And in the beginning, we could say this. Man and woman, in God's original plan, they were drunk on God's wine. In other words, they were filled to overflowing with divine love. That's what they shared with one another, divine love. That's the purpose of marriage, to share divine love. But what happens to the marital relationship when we run out of wine? Uh, you can't give what you don't have. And that idea of running out of wine, in other words, running out of divine love, is at the root of every marital struggle, tension, conflict, difficulty, rupture, pain, sorrow. So what we need is new wine. That's what joy-filled marriage is all about. The new marriage prep program we're coming out with, it's about bringing that new wine to the couples and leading them to it so they can drink up and can we even say get drunk? That's the goal—to get drunk on God's wine, God's wine.
1: Christopher, Christopher, that's um, a beautiful uh, analogy, or, or you're you're saying the story, but it's real. It's to all of yeah, us. It's real. This this divine love—that's uh, what we all need. We need to be, as I've heard you say in the past, inebriated in God's love.
2: God's love. There it is. Um, what did they accuse the apostles of on Pentecost Day when the love of God fell on them?
1: You are drunk.
2: You're drunk. Everybody thought they were drunk. And and that's the goal. It's to get, I mean, if we can put it this way, the goal of the Christian life and certainly the goal of married love in the Christian view of it is to get hammered, (laughs) to get (laughs) sloshed on God's wine, to drink up. Do we know how much wine Jesus brought to this wedding? Do the Mm -hmm. math. It was six stone jars, each containing an average of 25 gallons. That's 150 gallons at least. Of the best wine imaginable, that's like 750 bottles of wine. Where do we get the idea that Jesus was a party pooper?
1: (laughs) Oh, that's so good. That's so true. Uh, Christopher, I get so excited hearing you talk about this. Uh, I've spent so many times talking through these, these matters. And I'm, I'm very excited for this new program, uh, because it really does, you, you speak the heart and you, you, you're, it's done in such a a beautiful way. Um, I'd love to just give our listeners a little, um, update if they've not heard about the joy filled marriage program, which really has been widely, a widely used program across the United States. Um, Uh, And was recently updated, as you had said, to address some of these small shifts in culture, I think, to make it more relevant to today's um, engaged couples. And I've had an opportunity to really watch uh, the videos, Christopher, and really well done. Uh, Your presentations are spot on. You speak to a person's head and also to their heart. Um, uh, I think the videography is done. You, you pick some great locations to shoot. Uh,
2: yeah, I'm not that all goes to, the, to the, the credit. There goes to the team at Ascension Press. They they were so professional and we, they thought out the program visually in a very, very appealing way. And it was just a thrill for me to work with them.
1: Well, I, I know that team really tried to appeal to a, a, a variety of audiences and they used the arts and beauty in so many ways in the telling of stories. Um, to get this message across, um,
2: yeah, it's not. And I think it's very important to to emphasize. This is not a a talking head approach. It's really telling a story, and it's it's cinematic. You know, it 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 tells a story in a beautiful, compelling way. That's how I'd put it.
1: Mm. And and so, if our listeners don't know, I mean, really, we talk about the joy filled marriage program, but there's two components, right? There's the God's plan for love. Which is the sacramentality, the theology, uh, unpacking this beautiful message. And we, uh, you know, you're talking about marriage and sexuality through a lens of the theology of the body. And maybe in our next podcast, we can ask you to unpack what does it mean. Uh, the lens, you know, yes. uh, the theology of the body is a lens. Um, uh, so we we have that one component, but we also have the life skills for couples component, yes. and they both go together. Which um, I I've been. Fortunate enough to be able to to be one of the co-authors on that with my wife and Dr. Greg Popcheck, so those two components go together. Um, and whereas the uh, God's plan piece that Christopher speaks is 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 the sacramentality, the vision, the beauty, um, the, the the life skills really is the practical presentation. In other words, how do I live a virtuous life in marriage? How do I how do I how do I do this in in, in living a life of virtue and freedom? And so that's how the two Programs fit together, um, and uh, so you know if you haven't gone uh, to Ascension uh, Press uh, to look at it, we really encourage you to take a a chance to go there and look at the joy-filled Marriage Program.
2: Can I say well, a word about that, Tom? Sure. So there's this line in the Old Testament I really like, and it's pertinent here. It says, "Without a vision, the people perish." And I think one of the the downsides of modern American culture is that we're so production oriented. We want the, give me the one, two, three program to fix myself. And you know, you can see this in all the self-help books and all, and that's all fine and good. But what we need first is a vision that we're actually implementing. And this is why I think Ascension Press's approach to marriage prep is unique and and so important. First, it paints the vision. That's the God's plan for love. And, and cu- without this vision, couples will perish. <laughs> we need to have this vision. But then we also need practical steps to implement that, and that's the life skills component. so you get the one two punch in a way that is very compelling uh and desperately needed in in terms of what we're facing in in pastorally and ministerially and doing marriage prep in the world today. We need both
1: so so very true so um.
2: Christopher, uh,
1: we appreciate your time today. Again, thanks for your time today to give us just a few bits of your wisdom and insights. Um, anything you wanted to add there, Marisa?
0: Christopher, before we go, imagine that you know our listener here is is uh, John who is going to run this marriage prep program this weekend um and he's got a group of fifteen couples, most of whom are. Probably already living together, they might not be well catechized. Um, probably aren't, and they might have a few couples in there who are very fervent Catholics who are um, kind of living, um, trying to to live this vision. Mm-hmm. What do you have, maybe two tips that you would offer to to John as he heads into this weekend um, to move through this program?
2: Yeah, tip number one. I mean, tip. It's kind of sounds a little.
0: I know. I don't. Mean-
2: <laughs> yeah, not so some, much. A some tip, advice,
0: but, uh, I guess. Yeah.
2: Invitation. Here's an invitation. As ministers of the gospel, we ourselves must be utterly convinced, deep in our bones, that we have something far more beautiful, far more compelling, far more enriching, far more fulfilling to offer these couples than anything they're ever gonna hear growing up in the wider culture. And that conviction comes deeper and deeper in our own lives, the deeper and deeper we journey ourselves into what the church proposes about the meaning of human life. So advice number one is we gotta go deeper ourselves. We can only lead people as far along the journey as we ourselves has gone have gone. And the danger, and I know this for myself, uh, the danger for any minister is to kind of master the ideas, which are fine and good. We got to do that, and but then just stop there. Okay, I know the concepts. I'm going to teach them. Well, the couples can smell from a hundred miles away whether we really believe this. Number one, and number two, whether we're really living it from the level of the heart. And and this is this is a challenge for anybody involved in ministry is to be on the journey ourselves. You cannot give what you do not have. And there's a constant temptation, I face it myself, just to kind of become a a good presenter or just play the video and then I've done my job. No, there's more to it than that. Uh, We need to learn really how to love these couples, not come in there with any agenda, not come in there with any, uh, certainly no judgmentalism or condemnation, but really learn how to love them where they are and step and journey with them step by step to the fullness of the truth that comes from a a heart of love. That's what we need. And there's no practical one, two, three plan to get that. We just got to commit ourselves to really journeying with Jesus in our own lives and learning ever more deeply how to love.
0: That is so good. It seems, you know, we might say, Oh, it seems simple, but a lot harder than <laughs> than uh, than one would think. But um, yeah, I'll add this too,
2: Marisa, that, that the temptation for us who are in leadership in the church is to think we have to have it all together. And and that has been a big temptation for me. And what ends up happening is we start wearing masks. We wear our teacher mask. We wear our I'm the expert mask or, or whatever it is. And I have found in my life, the people who have influenced me the most are those who have made themselves most vulnerable with me and shared their own struggles, shared their own journey. Uh, we have to learn how to do that. We don't have to have it all together to be a teacher. Uh, in fact, to be a teacher, we have to realize we don't have it all together, and we have to make ourselves vulnerable. I love this line from the New Testament. It's when, one of Paul's letters when he says, I came to love you so much, Paul says, that I didn't only share the gospel teaching with you, I shared my very self. That, I think, is most important for us as teachers and ministers in the church, that we come to love the people we're serving so much that we not just give them a teaching or a program, as fine and good as that is, but that we give our very selves. And that means taking our masks off. That means making ourselves vulnerable.
1: Absolutely, uh, Christopher. Thank you. Thank you so very much for your time uh, today. We were going to probably have to bring this one to a close, but uh, you know, we've been here today with you know really a modern day evangelist, uh, Christopher West, uh, who really is um, one of the world's most recognized teachers on. Um, John Paul II the Theology of the Body and the founder of the CORE Project that you're doing, and congratulations on all the work they're doing. Christopher, um, just, man, appreciate your time today.
0: You're
2: welcome, brother. It's great to be with you.
0: Thank you so much, Christopher and Tom. If you're listening and, and you want to learn more about the new Marriage Prep program coming out this winter, you can go to ascensionpress.com, click the Study Programs, And you can see all the different components of the program as well as watch some informational videos um, that should help you learn more. There are also several videos taken from the program that we've shared on our Ascension Press YouTube channel. Um, There's some pretty funny ones and um, some inspirational ones. And I think that you'll really enjoy checking them out and kind of getting a flavor for what um, couples would experience as they were moving through the program. So again, you can learn more about the program at essentialpress.com, click study programs, and you will see the joy-filled marriage program there. All right, that brings us to the end of today's show. Thank you so much for staying with us. We really appreciate you, and, and we're really grateful that you share your time with us. We know that your time is really valuable and that you have a lot going on. And so, um, yeah, we just value your presence here with us on the show, and we really look forward to hearing your feedback. So please shoot us an email at ascensionroundtable at Press.com. If there's something that we missed today or you just think would contribute to the conversation, um, please share that with us and, and we'll share it with our listeners here on the show. You can find show notes by going to Ascension Press, clicking channels and finding the Ascension Roundtable podcast. You'll see all the show notes there. And as Alan says, until next time, peace.